Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. everybody i've got another great show lined up for you this week i have a special guest as always or as usual sometimes i either don't line up a guest or i forget to line up a guest that's happened in the past and then i just roll solo for the whole show but uh that's not one of those days. Today, I have a, a great guest coming on in just a little bit. I have Ben Colvin from Devil's Foot, so stay tuned for that. And uh, But before we do that, I just want to uh, talk a little bit about food. Let's talk about food. Well, first, actually, let's talk about food awards. Uh, I've got... I'm starting to get my act together for the 2023 Stubby Awards. Also, sometimes actually officially called the Asheville Food Fan Awards. The nicknames are the Stubbies. And these will be my 11th Stubby Awards. And uh, I've been doing them since 2013. I'm about to do 2023. That's 11 issues issues of them, if you or episodes or whatever you want to say of my Stubby Awards. And I've decided instead of calling them by the year from now on, I'm just going to assign them a Roman numeral because it is confusing to people. I've noticed in the 11 years or the 10 years, previous 10 years I've been doing, I'm working on the 11th right now, uh, that people tend to get confused a little bit because my awards come out in January of the next year, like the following year. I in December, I start to look back at everything, but December still counts for the year. So I'm eating food right up until the new year. And then I spend the first three weeks of the new year announcing the nominees in 24 categories. And then on the third, on the fourth week of January in 2024, I will announce the winners for 2023. And that is just confusing. And I'm tired of explaining it. And I, I sympathize with the confusion. It's not like I'm annoyed that people are confused. And sometimes it confuses me too. You should have seen me doing the math to figure out that this was my 11th year and not my 10th year because I started in 2013. This I'm about to release 2023. My brain could not wrap around how come it was 11. And that's because I'm stupid. But yes, these awards this year, they go up to 11, as we like to say. And uh, so, yeah, Roman numerals from now on, XI is what these ones will be, the XI Stubby Awards, the 11th annual Stubby Awards. And I do have a few nominees already, uh, just things I ate out there in the world that were so ding-dang good, I gave them a nomination right away. And I can name uh, a couple of them right now. The uh, the Dirty South Sandwich at the Rue on South Lexington Ave was an instant nominee for my Sandwich of the Year and my Breakfast Item of the Year. We'll see which way it goes. And these are just nominees, keep in mind, not winners. Those will be determined at a later date by just one person, me. Just in case you're unfamiliar with the Stubby Awards, it's just me. It's not a popularity contest like the Mountain Express or the Asheville Radio Group Awards. Those have 
merit and they have their place and I love them, but these are just me picking my favorite stuff that I ate for the previous year. So they're not even really intended as a best of Asheville so much as they are a, a best of what I ate last year because I can't eat it all. And invariably people will be like, what, how can you name best sushi when you didn't even go to blankety blank sushi bar? And the answer is, I'm trying not. I'm not trying to name best sushi. I'm trying just saying I ate at these places, and of these places, this was my favorite. So those are the Stubby Awards. They are coming up, and uh, oh, and the other nominees that I was going to mention was the hot dog at the vault got instant nomination for hot dog of the year. And so go to the Rue, get the Dirty South sandwich go to the Rankin Vault Lounge and get the kimchi bacon sriracha hot dog. And uh, you decide for yourself. Everybody loves to pick the best things they did all year. And I want to hear yours too. So when it's Stuby Award season, please give me your feedback, positive feedback only, please. It's not like I don't like criticism. It's just online. I mean, I don't like criticism. Who does? But it's not like I don't, want any kind of constructive feedback i don't mind constructive feedback but negativity i've got a saying negativity begets negativity if somebody says something negative to me i want to react very negatively to them usually with a sentence that starts with the letter f and ends with the letter u and um and and, and then everything breaks down from there and if it ain't me piping in to be negative to a negative response, it's another reader. And then I've got a situation where the readers are fighting with each other in my comment section. And I'll just tell you what, there's plenty of space out there in the internet for people to fight in comment sections. My social media is just not one of those places because I, it's just a negativity free zone. What can I say? Uh, you can hate me for it, but if you do and you do it in a comment, I'll delete those comments because I don't want to tolerate people hating me or each other or really hating on the restaurants on my page because it's just not what it's there for. Any hoodles, Stubby Awards 2023, also known as the Asheville Food Fan Awards, the 11th annual ones coming up. So stay tuned and send me your suggestions of where I need to go to get the best of Asheville. All righty, let's get on with the rest of the show. Hey, everybody. I'm here in the studio with another special guest. And yes, I say that every week, but they are all special. And today's guest is a friend of mine, a well-known person in the food and beverage industry. You heard the emphasis on the word beverage. I have Ben Colvin from Devil's Foot Soda, a well-known, much-loved soda brand who they are just branching out all over the place. And Ben is here to talk to us about some of their new products. Uh, we're going to touch on an event, a, a non-alcoholic event he's got planned with his crew. And uh, we're just going to talk about Soda Pop and the wonderful world of making it. Um, hey, Ben, how are you today? Hey, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm wonderful, man. It's great to see you, even though it's not in person. It's great to see you <laughs> on Zoom. Yeah, you too. Yeah. So first of all, Devil's Foot is your soda brand. How long you been at it? 
Uh, we formed a, our, our company in 2016, spent 2017 getting out of our previous jobs to actually do this. And, uh, and Ernest had cans moving at the very beginning of 2018. So we've, we've, uh, we've launched as a really fun kind of venture and then, uh, and then weathered through uh, a couple of actual profitable uh, COVID years um, mm-hmm. into the growth that we're at now, which, um, which is a much bigger endeavor than we began. Yes. And Ben, when you say we, who who are your partners in this adventure? Um, well, first and foremost, uh, the one that, that keeps me all sane when I get home as well. My wife's one of our partners. <laughs> She's uh, she she keeps it together. But uh, my my business partner Jacob Bauman, um, he and I um, really uh, complement each other in our skills. And for all the entrepreneurs out there, find you a business partner that 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 really kicks butt and. Um, and hold on to them and work with them well. You know, me and Jacob really play off each other really well, and uh, you couldn't do it without him. So uh, we we were we went from uh, sometimes coming in at nine o'clock at night after I put the kid to bed and just canned together throughout the night um, mm-hmm. to uh, to now where we're putting out you know over a million cans a year. Wow, million cans yeah. a year! Wow, that's huge. And uh, yeah, I mean, like having a partner is one of the more difficult things to work out. So if you get a good one, try to work through any small issues you have and stick with each other because that's that's golden. And did you guys just come up with this concept? Like, were you making soda pop at home and you were like, hey, this is fun. Let's do this for a living. Yeah, all five of us, uh, including uh, Aaron Wilson uh, and Carly Reese, they uh, they kind of round out our, our ownership group. And um, we had been we had all kind of gone out and uh, hit the the regular Asheville scene and been hanging out, and we're just having a problem with ginger beer at the time. It was just overly sweet and not enough flavor into some things. So uh, I, I was just using homebrew equipment and making spicier things at home and just testing and having some fun. Um, and then my wife and I found out we were we were pregnant. And uh, we took everybody out to Burial Beer to celebrate. And at the time, Burial um, didn't have anything really but water on tap that was non-alcoholic. And uh, all of our eyes just sort of popped like, hey, this is this is a thing. We have this really great spicy stuff we make at home for fun. What if we could do this? Um, and so it sort of came out of, out of that kind of concept. Like we, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of customers out there. There's a lot of people that look for something that's craft and transparent and, um, and, and, well done low sugar uh, we use a lot of local uh produce we support regional and local farms and uh you know fast forward today we have a farm to can soda production and uh barrel beer is one of our favorite customers they move a lot of devil's foot and we do some collaborations with them and things kind of come full circle you know yeah man i love to hear that collaborating is a big part of our food scene here in Asheville. um it's how small companies get big things done and turn into bigger companies. And I'm watching Burial Beer just blow up. It's right in mm-hmm. the neighborhood right next to mine. So I walk past there all the time and they they took over another building and they're doing a lot of construction and it's, congratulations to them because it was a tiny brewery. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you launched with your ginger beer. That was your first product. That's the first one I ever had. It's the classic. And now you have 12 different sodas that are part of your core group of sodas. And you also produce seasonal sodas with the holiday season coming up. You mentioned you have some exciting stuff. So Mm -hmm. after the ginger beer, did you then immediately release the spicy ginger beer and then launch into your others? Is that how it went? 
<clears throat> yeah, funny enough, this was right when um, at the at the exact same moment, just randomly, that um, a woman won a lawsuit against Canada Dry Ginger Ale. Um, she was, I think, she, it was some story about she had been told to ingest gin, more ginger. It was for her health benefits, and she just was gaining weight off of drinking ginger beer, <laughs> then realized there was no actual ginger in that ginger beer. Okay. That ginger ale did not actually contain ginger, and she won a lawsuit against uh, Canada Dry. And uh, and so it was funny that we were we were sitting there using gobs and gobs of ginger, and uh, felt really proud about what we were doing. The first the first night we actually launched this, we were giving out free tastings and uh, collaborating. Again, that word is everywhere with what we do. Collaborating with our friends at the Orange Peel, we were doing a whole uh, menu downstairs at the Pulp uh, during a Run the Jewels show, and it was a Run the Mules. We were doing Moscow Mules and Kentucky Mules, everything downstairs, and just handing free samples of ginger beer and getting feedback, and um. And so, yeah, we kind of launched this uh, sort of flagship, very base, not too spicy thing. And then uh, pretty quick, we realized we needed this other one that we liked better, too, that was really spicy. It's kind of, I think of it like, it's like the hazy IPA of ginger beer. When you when you pour this in a glass, it's it's definitely dark and hazy and, um, you know, full of punch. So it's yeah. pretty awesome. But, um, but yeah, like, again, speaking of burial, we're sitting there in line uh, and looking around. And anytime you look around and you see a bunch of... Uh, you know, big, long, overgrown beards and, and sleeve tattoos and everybody's, I mean, they're there for the craft of what this is. They're, they're there because you put a lot of care and, and, and effort into your, um, into your craft. And uh, it made us think, you know, we can expand this too. So we kind of expanded into this um, lemonade side too. A lot of this came from the, the, the current sodas at the time. Uh, the, the first ginger beer we were really up against had 49 grams of sugar in a can in a 12 ounce oh, can wow. uh it's all high high fructose corn syrup and flavorings and stuff mm. um our original sort of like spicy ginger beer had less than half that um and it's all organic cane sugar in upstate uh south carolina and north carolina honey uh to sort of round out sweetness so uh we did the same thing we saw a lot of uh citruses out there lemonades and um sort of citrusy sodas that were still in the high 30s uh of grams of sugar in a can so we said, let's just go right at that. And uh, so we're still making, that's our top, that's by far our top seller right now is a sparkling lemonade that, um, that, uh, that we put out there with a lot lower sugar content. I appreciate that personally about your uh, soda pops. Uh, I, I don't drink. And um, so I'm always looking for something interesting to drink when I'm out and your mm -hmm. soda pops are ubiquitous these days. They're everywhere in downtown Asheville. They're easy to find, which is great. Uh, the, your lemonade and limeade are called Future So Bright. I, mm -hmm. I'm a fan and I, I filled out a little form online and uh, I'm a, I am I had to list my favorite one of your mm -hmm. sodas. And I, I picked the Arnie Palmy because mm -hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, it's classic. It reminds me of being a kid and, you know, your parents would make you one of those when they were adding booze to theirs, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so, and, but you've also branched out into now you've got like a strawberry apple and a blueberry mm -hmm. as well. Am I correct with that, Ben? Yeah, we, we try to keep everything pretty approachable and straightforward. Um, we've had a lot, we had a lot of early feedback of like, don't go crazy with, you know, rose water and hibiscus and things. They were like, we want to know what it is, what's in there, make it very transparent. So the same thing, we're, we don't ever put just like natural ingredients or natural flavors. You're going to see on the can exactly what's in that product. Um, don't try to hide stuff, put it out there and let people know what's in it. Um, 
so yeah, we fresh pressed uh, about 3,000 pounds of North Carolina blueberries the this summer and get it kind of stored up for the winter. Uh, the same with strawberries. We bring everything in when uh, all farm fresh. So uh, I was calling it this for uh, from the beginning, really just sounded really uh, legit to me. I worked in the kitchen a lot. And, um, and this just rang true because I'm sitting there on these farms, working with these farmers, coordinating how we're going to get their produce to our to our production line. Um, so I called it farm to can. It's like, we're running this farm to can kind of thing. Um, and it's turned into what it just, we say it all the time. And, um, uh, we own the trademark of farm to can now, and it's on everyone who oh. cans. And we thought like, that's a certification that we are proud to put on there. Uh, go to our website or call us anytime and find out the farmers we use, um, try to send people that way. Um, but yeah, we've kind of branched out. We do a strawberry, a blueberry lemonade, uh, the cherry limeade is one of our top sellers. It's a really yeah. good tart tart cherry and um and then we've been doing this apple soda that we launched for chow chow this year uh it was really cool we just saw a lot of waste from the uh the cider press uh they were taking a lot of that pumice and pulp from the apple after it pressed and just sending it out to field but they're they're only getting you know 60 to 80 percent yield of of juicing from it so uh said in the old, they were telling me in the old days they would reconstitute and press again but for most part, cideries want that heavy sugar content, so they get that first press. So we we were we collect a ton of that that pulp and that pumice and bring it back and throw it in our mash tun, and um, and we're getting out this really great like base of a uh, really dark brown cider, you know, aroma and color, but just a lot less sugar. So then I can kind of supplement back into it and get this really cool harvest flavor of apple. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that story. So the apples are getting used twice. And yep. that that's such a Appalachian approach to food. It's like it, you're growing it right here. Let's use it. We've got an abundance of uh, fruits, vegetables, mm-hmm. animals, mushrooms, all kinds of stuff. And uh, let's use it. And you know what? Let's use it twice. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, cause... waste, 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 not want not, man. And um, it, it's uh, it. it it adds layers of, of flavor and depth to what you do. You never want to have something that's, you know, three ingredients thrown together. You know, when, when this comes in, you're getting sort of that, that kind of familiar bubbly cidery flavor, kind of like a, a new year sparkling cider kind of thing. Uh, but then immediately it tastes different. It's these are heirloom North Carolina apples. And then the back side of it, I swear it tastes like you crunched into an apple and you get something that's fresh and vegetal to it. That you're like, damn, that's good. It's different. So uh, yeah, that's our aim. It's just to, get out there, try new stuff, be weird with it. Um, we're kind of doing a twist on that one, just on the collaboration side with Botanist and Barrel, um, our buddies this year that we're doing their apple spritz as a non-alcoholic version this way. So sort of that apple cider side with a little bit of botanical to it to make it, again, like a celebratory non-alcoholic cocktail in a can. That's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I love it. And Botanist and Barrel, the apple cider uh makers as well as the tasting room downtown and i go into the tasting room all the time and so um i see your sodas there all the time and and i saw saw your um non-alcoholic negroni there and so these days you have devil's foot making soda pop and you have friend of the devil making bottled alcoholic cocktails and then you right. have some stuff that's kind of in between that's non-alcoholic. And I said bottles, bottles by accident, canned. canned. All right. your stuff is canned. And uh, then you have these non-alcoholic cocktails uh, like Negronis. And did, did you mention you make a daiquiri? You mentioned another that you. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, 
don't bring this up to my brew crew. They're uh, they get they get they roll their eyes like we're adding another skew to this. But <laughs> we uh, we went really hard on this. We've we've had over the years people asking, you know, dry January, dry holidays coming up. Um, you know, we want something, we want special things. And to hear that's kind of cool. It's, um, you know, it's kind of how this started when you've got, um, you know, any, anybody from, from four years old to 94 years old, that's, uh, that's in this realm of, of people that just want something special and sparkling and, and healthy and, and, and delicious and soulful, um, that it could be starting from my wife who couldn't drink and she was pregnant and needed something healthier to uh, friends of mine who have been sober for years on end or, uh, you know, friends that uh, just want to have a cocktail and then something else that's not. Um, the thought is, hey, let's open this whole line of this stuff. So, you know, we've launched six uh, this year, uh, zero proof cocktails. <laughs> so yeah. we do this uh, Negroni inspired. It's really cool, man. It's uh, it's so point uh, with Negroni, but we do that one with burial. Um they do some of their ferments, their, um, fortified wines and vermouth. So we were like, Hey, let's do a riff on something that you would use this. And, uh, we thought we would maybe do, I don't know, send out a couple, you know, 5,000 cans, just do a run. I think at this point we've sold 30, 35,000 cans. Of awesome. It's, it, it's wow. awesome. And it flies. Um, the, the apple spritz we're doing with botanist and barrel, uh, we do uh, a riff on uh, collaboration with high wire, a riff on their, uh, raspberry lemongrass sour beer. Um, that we do that non-alcoholic. Uh, we've done um, this really cool collaboration that came out just recently uh, with Highland Brewing that we do this dark and stormy. So it's a riff on our uh, on our ginger beer with a little bit of dark brown sugar molasses to it and uh, mm. give kind of that coffee or toffee caramel um, vanilla note uh, of like dark rum. Wow. So it, it, it's cool to kind of hit those notes and be like, man, it kind of tastes like an alcoholic thing that's not. Right. Um, and we let that rest on oak chips and get some of the oakiness from it too. So like, it's, it's cool just to kind of play with them and pull out that, that, um, if you can trick somebody and tease them that they think they're getting something that's an alcoholic drink and it's not, it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, just diversification is a cool thing. We've been, we've been helping with, uh, you know, big venues that run high volume, like the orange peel and, uh, rabbit rabbit early on into the salvage station some of the big concert venues that move a lot of volume of people helping them do cocktails alcoholic side in kegs mm -hmm. so uh they would be able to use our product and kind of blend with a spirit and after we'd done that enough we thought well why don't we do this and put it in a can uh we see a lot of those ready to drink cocktails in the can and mm -hmm. a lot of them aren't very good a lot of them are mm -hmm. either like really really high alcohol content or really low alcohol content and you have no clue what's actually in it right so uh yeah, we thought we'd hit this kind of niche market. Um, for some reason, Friend of the Devil uh, wasn't claimed in a trademark world. <laughs> so, Wild. Yeah. yeah. And and the intention of this, again, was collaboration, was I'm not a distiller. That's not what I do well. I want to find a really well-done spirits from people that we like and bring our friends of Devil's Foot in and collaborate with them. So we, we launched uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a vodka lemonade with uh, Nipotati distilling out of uh, Charleston, South Carolina. They're the only organic distillery in, in South Carolina. And they do this really cool Botanica vodka. And then we do a Carolina mule that uh, is really awesome, has a good punch bite to it uh, with our friends at Cultivated Cocktails at H&H uh, &H Distilling here in Nashville. So, um, yeah, those have been pretty cool. We just uh, recently sent out our first big run to the um, – the Asheville ABC board. So they're in every single ABC store in Buncombe County right now. 
Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations on all this growth. And it's totally like organic growth, like from yeah. one soda pop that you were proud of to two, three, four, a dozen, half a dozen non-alcoholic can, canned beverages, and now branching out into canned uh, cocktails. cocktails. So, yeah, I love it, man. I love to hear this kind of success story. Now, um, let's touch on the event you've got coming up because you're hosting, and we, we're running low on time, Ben. Sorry about yep. that, but you've got you've got a zero proof festival coming up, a, a non alcoholic social experience with a black tie event on. Uh, I'll let you give the dates, but it has a black tie event on Friday and a shindig on Saturday. What are the dates? How do people get tickets? Why should they go? Uh, this is November 10th. Uh, the night of November 10th, Friday night is a black tie event uh, and, uh, on the next day on Saturday, the 11th is our shindig. Um, but we've just had so many requests. We, we attended this uh, festival in Charlotte a couple of years ago with our friends at Counterculture Club. They do kind of a sober club group that does activities together. And it was just awesome you, to see what's out there as far as non-alc wines, non-alc spirits, um, non-alc beers, kombucha sodas all the stuff that is out there that's that's interesting so when the sober curious or the just people that just don't want to drink for a little bit there's there's special things out there and um so we're we're hosting these a couple events we're bringing all these big national brands there's some really cool ones proxies wine is really getting hawked by sean brock and chef Corinne. a lot of like big celebrity chefs doing this they're putting a lot of effort into making a really good non-alc wine that's not just juice. Um, a lot of the spirits, you'd be surprised. The mezcal, non-out spirit, it's smoky. It's very mezcal forward. Um, some of the stuff's really cool. We just want everybody to taste what is out there and like get what this big picture of what's happening is there. And then as they're leaving, um, we're following up with all of our attendees to make sure they see all of the local producers that do awesome stuff here in Asheville. We have so many people that make tea, that make soda, that make kombucha, that make... Um, uh, you know, Shanti elixirs keep growing. They're doing awesome stuff. Um, there's just this really great group of local folks doing cool stuff. And we want to make sure people see this big picture of what's happening nationally and what's available and then pop down and see, now look, everybody's doing this locally. Go grab it, go mm. explore and be part of this thing. You know, I love it. And I love that you're doing a black tie event. I am uh, kind of notoriously casual, but, um, <laughs> and so I may not attend the black tie event, but I love uh -huh. that you're having it because, and you said your friend said something so beautiful and why don't you go ahead and quote him? Yeah. He was just saying, uh, you know, I never get to go to big galas and, and openings and parties because it's, you know, it's, you get dressed up and fancy, but there's just wine and champagne and stuff flowing everywhere. And it's kind of hard to feel part of the crowd. And that's really been part of Devil's Foot from the beginning is um, we had a lot of friends saying we'll go to, you know, we don't go out as much anymore. I don't like being the one guy sitting there drinking water in a, you know, with a lime wedge. Mm -hmm. um, so now they go places specifically because Devil's Foot's there and it's, there's something sparkling and, and refreshing and hot and delicious that they can like feel part of the crew. And they're just like, it's weird. I'm back into it. I feel like I can go out with everybody and not drink. Um, and that was this, it was, can we do this and provide something where people can come get dressed up, be a little fancy for the night and not feel like there's alcohol in their face everywhere. And um, so we're going to do that Friday night. And then Saturday I do a really like Appalachian style kind of shindig. Uh, both of them are catered with Sage and Spice uh, catering locally. Tori's really launched this cool thing where she's doing a lot of really awesome high, higher end uh, swanky black tie stuff that day. And then the next day, some really good old, you know, biscuit grazing tables and awesome stuff for the shindig. So there's, 
it's the other thing. We do festivals all the time in this town and we never have food. Yeah. <laughs> Making sure everybody knows there's lots of food to have at these things, you know. That's great. I love it. I love to hear all of that. Um, yeah, I haven't, I actually been hearing a lot about Sage and Spice lately, but I haven't tried their food yet. So mm-hmm. I'll be looking forward. I'll show up to the shindig on Saturday. Um, cool. And, and Ben, before we say goodbye, can you quickly uh, let the folks know how to find your website, how to find your product, uh, where to follow you on social media? Yeah, doublesfootbrew.com. Um, and the same the, the same handles at doublesfootbrew. Um, you can you can see most of what our offerings are there. Uh, you'll see Friend of the Devil on the same site, and you'll see uh, the events and things that are happening at the Mule, our our tasting room, uh, the Mule M U L E. Um, so yeah, doublesfootbrew.com. Fantastic. All right, man. Well, it's been great catching up with you. I'm so excited for you and your partners and your whole crew and for the city of Asheville and beyond, because it is exciting to have a local soda that you can feel good about drinking and supporting and they're delicious and they are low in sugar, lower in sugar than a soda, regular soda pop. So Mm -hmm. I can enjoy them more. They make great mixers if you do drink. Or if you don't feel like mixing your own drinks, these guys have got you covered already with some canned cocktails. All right, Ben, another time, uh, let's just spend the whole show talking about the canning process because I find that completely (laughs) fascinating and hypnotic to watch. Um, All right, brother, I'll cut you loose. Have a great day, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, Stu, man. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, welcome back to the studio. And now I want to do everybody's favorite segment, Unsolicited Advice. That's right, it's time for Unsolicited Advice, the advice that nobody asked for, nobody wanted, but I'm here to give you. And right now, my advice is more of a warning than anything else. I want to warn you about the chicken curry and seafood scam. Do not fall for the chicken curry and seafood scam. Do not fall for any scams. This is my advice. Think before you click, think before you respond. There are a number of social media scams going on right now. And this one, the chicken curry and seafood scam is a text message scam. And uh, unless you think I'm making things up, one of my friends, got one of these text messages and she shared a screenshot with us on Facebook and she got a random text message from a number she didn't recognize. And it said, hi, I'll make chicken curry and seafood tomorrow night. Will you come? And then there was a shrimp emoji, a squid emoji, a cuttlefish emoji, a lobster emoji, and then a smiley with its tongue sticking out the corner of its mouth emoji. And my friend who is no dummy, wrote back and said, I have no clue who this is. And the response they got was, do you want to come over for dinner tomorrow night? I'm making seafood. Actually, it says I'll making seafood. So typo there. Shrimp, squid, cuttlefish, lobster, smiley with the tongue sticking out again, like a lot of emojis involved. And my friend just didn't respond. But when she posted this on Facebook, a friend of hers spoke up and said, I got the same one. They also got a text message from someone who wanted to know 
Would you like to come over for dinner tomorrow? I'm making chicken curry and seafood. And when they tried to find out who that person was, that person bailed. They said, oh, who are you? And the person said, oh, I just checked your number and I entered the wrong digit. Sorry. And then they took off. Um, so beware of the chicken curry and seafood scam. Don't fall for it. And here's another one. If you have a Facebook page, not just a profile, but a page, and you get a message from any number of people that says your Facebook page is in violation of moral code 417. And if you want to avoid having it taken down in the next 24 hours, you got to contact this number, click this link. Don't click the link. There ain't no such thing as the Facebook moral authority or whatever. Just ignore all scam. If you don't know what it is, don't click on it, man. Like, do not do it. And smart people can get suckered into it. You just have a, a brain fart while you're doing things and you get this message and you're like, what the? I'm going to, hey. And you know what? You don't, you don't owe any money to Facebook right now. They are not sending out invoices. Uh, you don't own any you don't owe any money to Norton Utilities. Oh, my God. A friend of mine got a message saying, you owe Norton Utilities 300 and something dollars. And he freaked out and he called the number. And I was like, hang up, hang up right now, hang up. And he did. But then he had to call his bank and be all like, yeah, I got to cancel. I got to put a hold on these things. And so. Don't fall for it, man. Everything's fine. You don't owe money to people you don't think you owe money to. And your page is not in violation of anything. It's fine. Your page is fine. And yeah, we all like chicken curry and seafood. But if you get an invitation to come out for chicken curry and seafood from a complete stranger, you can ignore that. They probably want to sell you some crypto coins or something. All right. That's your unsolicited advice today. Not so much just for restaurants, but for everybody. But since it was food related, I thought I would share it. I really wish that people were just making chicken curry and seafood and being like, everybody come over. But no, that's a scam of some kind. All right. We'll be right back after this musical interlude. All right, everybody. Welcome back. And now I have another segment, one I haven't done in a little while, called Messages from the Followers. And I know that's kind of a clunky title for the segment. I'll have to come up with a better one. But I, I can't call it Letters from the Readers because people don't write letters. And a lot of people don't really read me so much as just look at my stuff on Instagram or whatever. And I have listeners, but not a lot. I don't know. So I just decided to call it Messages from the followers. So here they are. And the first one is, uh, they're all kind of, some of them are in the same genre of people just asking me where they should go out to eat or where they should send friends. Uh, the first one, Stu, I have friends coming to visit and they don't arrive at the Asheville airport until 1030 PM. Is there any place you know of in this town where I can take them to eat a Friday late night dinner that won't disappoint? Yes. Answer, yes, I do. Storm, Rumbar, and Bistro, they serve their late night menu until 1 a.m. And the food is excellent. It is uh, local 
born and raised in Asheville, Chef Jay Medford and his very creative kitchen staff, including Chef Jordan and Chef Christian and uh, and Emily making drinks most of the time or one of any number of the other capable bartenders. And you'll have a great meal. You'll be surrounded by locals. And that late at night on a Friday, you might be eating with a lot of um, other food and beverage industry workers who tend to go to storm when their restaurants close. So there you go. Late night bites for friends coming into town after 1030. Take them to storm rum bar and bistro. You can also for more casual dining, take them to the rank, the rank and vault, which serves food late. And so does the one stop. And those are pretty much right across the street from each other, right downtown on college Avenue and Rankin Avenue. And uh, yeah, so those are your late night bite um, suggestions. Here's another one that another letter from the readers. Hey, Stu, my wife and I took one of your tours a few years ago and loved it. Thank you. Uh, we trust your guidance on eating in Asheville. Thank you again. We are at Jerusalem Garden now. I love it when people text me where they are eating. I really, I'm not being sarcastic. I do love that. Uh, what else should we check out? We enjoyed Buxton Hall on your recommendation earlier this year. We are open to most things. And so, of course, everybody, my first recommendation was go back to Buxton Hall because they are about to close. If you didn't hear the news, it's quite sad. Buxton Hall is closing. I I don't know why I haven't heard. Well, I haven't heard directly from Marijuana or anybody way high up the chain. I've only heard other people commenting on Facebook of why they closed. I'm going to guess that is a slow summer, a lot of overhead. Chaipani's doing great. Maybe Buxton Hall was keeping them up at night. So I've seen that before where great restaurants close just because they're more difficult to run than the other restaurant. Um, so, uh, or more difficult is not the right word, just uh, makes just not making those kind of money that you could if you just concentrated on the one. Any hoodles. Uh, so first recommendation, get into Buxton Hall before they close. Just the other day, I bought a brisket cheese steak with macaroni and cheese and coleslaw, and all three were fantastic. I loved all three. And I am going to sorely miss Buxton Hall, which was my favorite restaurant for many, many, many years. All right. Now, uh, let's see. But in, uh, I went on to say that I would also recommend and I wrote I write back to people whenever I can. Sometimes I'm super busy and emails go below the fold, if you will. And then I might not get to them for a long time. But anyways, if if ever. Anyways, uh, the sad news is, what did I say? I would also recommend going into a place called Twisted Laurel, downtown Asheville. It's one of my favorite restaurants, right side by side with Buxton Hall in a lot of ways. And um, the, the Twisted Laurel, downtown, I get, and I recommend they get the JC Burger, which was my burger of the year. And uh, also the other day I had a cod, some cod and cod is pretty basic but chef tom lafauci and his crew they do it up real nice and it was delicious so go get some cod at jc at uh twisted laurel and get the jc burger as well and uh i also recommended uh ukiah japanese smokehouse something different to do while you're in town 
you know, if you haven't been there as a local, if you haven't been to these places I'm recommending, please go. Uh, and also get into Buxton Hall while you can. Ukiah Japanese Smokehouse is lovely. Uh, my family and I love it very much for brunch in particular, but anytime they're open, the food's going to be banging. The atmosphere, the service is always great. And I also recommended Rhubarb and Bene. And uh, I just happen to be really enjoying both of them right now. And when I say I just happen to be, it's because John Fleer owns Rhubarb and John Fleer used to be part of Bene, but he's not anymore. So it's just a coincidence that I've been going to both of them. It's got nothing to do that they were both one is and one used to be associated with John Fleer. And the new chef at Bene is Chef Jarrell McRae. And he and his crew are banging it out. And I've been having some great experiences there as well as at Rhubarb. So those are my recommendations to people who are visiting town or locals who are coming into town to see a show or whatever, and they might want to have a nice dinner before the show. Check out those places. Um, get into Buxton Hall. Go to Ukiah Smokehouse. Go to Twisted Laurel for the JC Burger uh, and hit up rhubarb and or Bene. And when I say and or, I mean take yourself on a little food tour. Go to all those places and only have small bites at each. And uh, let's see. Let's go on to this one. Hi, Stu. I have some friends traveling to Asheville who are asking if there's anywhere to acquire magic mushrooms. I thought you might be the man who knows. Well, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't take psychedelic drugs i do smoke some weed every once in a while and uh but i don't take any mushrooms or acid or molly or anything like that my grasp on reality is very fragile as it is and i don't need anything that's gonna push me over the edge i really don't everybody but uh thanks for asking but i and i they're they're out there believe me you can find them so my advice would be for the friends coming to Asheville, just go to a bar a pretty nice bar and there are all the bars are nice even the dive bars are nice in Asheville. and without being weird and creepy and sounding like a narc uh just ask any not insane looking local sitting at any one of our bars hey uh, we're trying to score some magic mushrooms around here. So how can we do that? The answer might be, get out of here, narc. Or it might be, ah, oh, yeah, I got some in my satchel right now. <laughs> you never know. <clears throat> but it's worth asking, you know, just don't be a jerk about it and don't be weird and creepy. Um, and I, I trust this, this one, I trust that the people are going to be cool because I know the person who wrote it to me and they are cool. And the final one is not in the genre of where should we go to eat, but it is just some questions about how I do business. A friend of mine who used to be a chef and is transitioning into a digital marketer wrote to me and asked me some questions. And he said, uh, he just asked straight up, do I charge, I'll, I'll just read what he wrote. Do you charge small businesses a fee for writing about them? Are you looking for places to write about? How many people are within your reach? Uh, the answers to that are no, I don't charge the small businesses or anybody to write about them. I, I hate being paid to write about people because then they have expectations of what you're going to write. I have tried it in the past and it just, I hate it. So I'd rather make my money doing food tours 
And I just like to write about food because it's fun. Uh, so no, I don't charge. Um, and I also will share people's press releases and those you can tell from my writing because they look and sound like press releases. But I, some newspapers will cut and paste people's press releases and present them as stories or articles. I don't do that. I, you know, when you see it, that that's a press release. It's got three hashtags at the top and three more at the bottom. So, and I'm happy to share those most of the time. I don't always have time. And if they're just about alcohol, I probably am not going to share them unless there's some food involved with your alcohol event or whatever. Um, and uh, are, am I looking for places to write about? I'm always looking for places to write about, you know. Um, people are always inviting me. Hey, Stu, we just opened a restaurant. Come check it out. Uh, Stu, I work for this other food truck now doing their social media. Come check it out. And I go and I eat. And if I'm invited to eat, I do not expect to pay, although I do tip the server. And uh, sometimes I will admit that sometimes if the owner is the server, I'm just like, hey, man, on this one, free is free. And I don't need to tip the owner. The owner's the owner. Uh, I tip the server because they're just they're doing their job. But the owner invited me in. The owner treats. That's how I see it. If I invite the owner to my house to eat, I ain't going to make him pay him or her they i ain't gonna make them pay right all right um and then the third question how many people are within your reach i'm very happy to say that i currently have fifteen thousand five hundred and fifty plus followers across social media and that includes facebook instagram substack and tiktok and there's of course a lot of overlap with those different platforms like a lot of my Facebook followers also follow me on Instagram. Most of my Substack followers are going to follow me on both Instagram and Facebook or one or the other. And I would say all of my TikTok followers follow me on one or the other platforms because that's how they even know I have a TikTok account. I only have like 300 TikTok followers. If that, it might be 30. I don't know. I'll have to go look. I don't use it very often, but I do every once in a while. So check it out. I'm Stu Helm, food fan on all of those platforms. S-T-U-H-E-L-M-F-O-O-D-F-A-N, Stu Helm food fan. And there you go. That is the messages from the readers. Some recommendations on where to eat late at night, where to uh, eat if you're in town for a couple of days or if you're a local and you come downtown on a rare occasion. And also no advice on where to get magic mushrooms except for to just ask local. And also, and, and then some behind the curtain stuff about how I operate as a food blogger and a food tour guide. I, I blog for fun most of the time and I guide for money most of the time. You do get a little bit of money from Substack. Please subscribe to my Substack newsletter if you would like to. You can subscribe for free or you can choose to pay. And you get the same newsletter either way. I ain't into writing two newsletters. <laughs> I just am not. <laughs> um, all right. Check me out on social media. I'll After this little bit of this song, my theme song here, We'll come right back. And by the way, the theme song is called Cheese Wagon, and it's by a really ancient punk rock band called the Dorita Sisters. The Dorita Sisters. You can look them up on YouTube, and you can listen to the whole song, Cheese Wagon, on YouTube. All right, folks, be right back. Yeah. 
All right, everybody, before we end the show, I just want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, I recorded that last segment about the messages from the followers. I recorded that yesterday and I listened to it this morning. And I just want to add one thing. Don't do drugs. Do not do drugs. Uh, Did you hear this story about the guy? Oh my lord, the airpod just just google the words mushroom pilot and you'll know what I'm talking about. And this guy took some mushrooms and he took too many or something. I don't know what, but he, he's kind of blaming the mushrooms and so is the media. Sounds like he had a mental breakdown. And he he was a pilot, but he wasn't flying the plane. He was like using his privilege as a pilot to get a free flight and he was sitting in the cockpit they have a little guest chair or whatever and he freaked out and he he grabbed these two red handles and tried to pull them down and the other pilot jumped up and or the navigator or whatever jumped up and grabbed his wrists and prevented him from pulling these things all the way down and had he pulled those things down they were like this fire retardant system that would have shut down the engines and stuff and turned the plane into a great big glider. And I left out the fact that this was a passenger plane that had, I think, 88 people on it. Is that right? 83, 83 people on it. And, uh, he, and they restrained him and they restrained him with cuffs and he was freaking out and saying weird stuff. And now he's, he's been charged with 83 counts of attempted murder and he blames magic mushrooms for this so kids don't do drugs all right let's oh and also a friend of mine told me a story just yesterday about some friends of hers that bought some legal gummies at a gas station that only cost them like three bucks and they ate too many of them and they were out of commish they were like out of commish for like three days they I just touched the mic. I hope you guys didn't hear that. Um, and uh, it was, it, it, it ruined three days of their lives. They were just like, were, my friend said they were like jello and nobody could figure out what was wrong with them. They finally figured out that these, these CBD gummies that they ate, they bought the wrong dang gummies were actually THC gummies. And I think they were Delta and uh, they were, so be careful out there. Really, don't just do drugs because of whatever. You hear it's cool or whatever. This this pilot guy, he was, I guess, depressed and maybe had been advised that microdosing might help depression. And I'm here to tell you that that's not proven. And it's uh, if you feel the effects of the magic mushrooms, you're not microdosing. Okay? You're just tripping. There's a difference. All right, let's move on. Oh, and I noticed that there's sort of a scary tone to my show with all the warnings about the chicken and curry scam or the curry chicken and seafood scam. And now this, and it is Halloween. So happy Halloween and be careful what you eat out there. There might be a razor blade in the middle. You just never know. It's a crazy world, man. Very crazy world. We won't get too dark on this episode. Let's move on to talk about some food because I ate some fantastic food uh this 
this week, last week, as always, every week. And first of all, I popped into my local Thai curry place uh, or Thai restaurant, Little B Thai on South French Broad Avenue. And I had some yellow curry with chicken and taters. And it was awesome, as always. So shout out to Little B. And I also went to Mother, which is in the neighborhood adjacent to mine, the South Slope. Mother is a high-end bakery, and they opened a cafe with small with a small savory and sweet menu. And I had a French omelet with buttered toast and salad, and it was awesome, like exemplary. I loved it. The a French omelet is rolled like a little tiny burrito almost, and uh, it was all kind of creamy and eggy inside, and it was it was really good. It was kind of small. French omelets are kind of small. And it was perfect for me because I wasn't that hungry. Um, and uh, what else? I went to Session Cafe where there's a new chef. Um, the previous chef, good friend of mine, Chef Mark, uh, he moved on to do catering. And uh, other chef has moved in. And they're banging out some great food there. I had a chicken sandwich and a egg sandwich. I had two sandwiches, but I only ate half of each. And then I brought the other halves home to have later. And both were excellent. The chick, the egg sandwich, I hope, is a permanent part of her menu. I hope they both are. They were great. But the egg sandwich is quite unique in that it's got some tomatoes and stuff like cooked into it. It's almost like an omelet on bread. And both were great. So go go to Session Cafe they are uh, a wonderful space with great ambient music and a great vibe and really nice people working there. So, uh, and, and it's right downtown in the old Citizen Times building, which is a beautiful old sort of like industrialist type of building. And uh, finally, I went to Miyako House, which is right on college avenue um just downstairs i mean just next door to twisted laurel pretty much and i had a fried oyster roll with avocado masago cucumber and spicy eel sauce and it was great and yes i said fried oyster roll yes i got a cooked sushi roll i'm kind of well known for having cooked sushi i like raw sushi too it's not like i'm opposed to raw sushi it's just uh I don't know. I like hot food and I just, I like cooked food. So I got it and it was great. It was nice and crunchy and warm and you could taste the oysters and they were great. And um, the masago, I didn't know what that word meant, but it is, I looked it up and it's the orange egg row uh, or the orange fish row or fish eggs that's on the outside that gives it that little briny flavor and a little pop, a little tiny pop every once in a while. They're very small. And I, I looked, as I said, I looked it up and um, it is smelt row in particular, and it is the eggs of the capelin fish. And uh, it's loaded with protein and nutrients, including vitamin B12. And uh, it has, of course, a lot of omega-3s. So it's it's a good for you food. That orange color, that bright orange color, that is dye. It is dyed orange to make it look like sort of like the more expensive uh, flying fish row. Those must be hard to catch. Uh, and um, they uh, it, they dye it either orange or sometimes green or other colors. It's just pale in color. That's how I heard it described as quote unquote pale. Um, 
And you should avoid it if you have high blood pressure. And I'm going to imagine that it has a high salt content. Apart from being used to decorate and top and to add flavor and salt to sushi, it is also sometimes used in fusion pasta. So, you know, there's a lot of Japanese fusion food out there. And you can use masago with dashi, mayo, milk, uh, or and milk to make a sauce for fettuccine. All right, I might give that a try. If you buy um, any masago, it's going to be raw. That's how it comes. And you're going to want to use a portion of it right away and then immediately freeze the rest. And it freezes well, and you can keep it for a long time. So uh, there you go. I gave you some, and I'm going to give a, add a little piece of my own advice. Freeze it in tablespoon-sized portions, because that's all you're ever going to use at once, maybe one or two tablespoons. It would be hard to dig that out of a frozen chunk of tiny little fish eggs. So there you go, some information. It's considered a very healthy food, despite the dye. I, I'll have to do more research just for my own uh as well my own you know sanity about this dying process and uh and why don't they just serve it pale i think i could handle pale you know it's not like i'm like ew it's pale so there you go a couple of food reviews for you before we say goodbye and now i'm saying goodbye thank you for listening thanks to my guest ben colvin for coming on thank you wpvm 103.7 fm the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world and folks find me on social media i'm Stu helm food fan on facebook instagram tiktok and substack and if you eat something good let me know about it bye 